Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben Moss-Backrack. Season two follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next-level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Thursday, May 4th. If it's early May, that means it's the start of the traditional summer movie season. And for the past 15 non-pandemic years, that's meant a big Marvel movie. This year, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 opening this weekend. Last year, about this time, I had Scott Mendelson, a journalist and box office savant, on the show for something we call the Summer Blockbuster Confidence Scale. Basically, how confident we are that each summer movie will live up to the expectations that its studio has for it. This summer, it's actually a more difficult question because for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic, there's actually a lot of competition. The number of releases is still down from 2019, but pretty much every weekend from Guardians to Fast X on May 19th to the mid-August doldrums, there's basically one movie a week that has ambitions on blockbuster status. A couple weekends, actually two. That means there will be winners and losers, the dreaded disappointments, and the underperformers. A lot to discuss, so I brought back Scott, and we really go back and forth this time. He is totally wrong about a couple of these, or I guess we will see. So today, it's the Summer Blockbuster Confidence Scale, Volume 2. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Scott Mendelson, a returning champion. We had you last summer to talk about the Summer Movie Confidence Scale. Now we're back, Volume 2. I feel like our picks last summer were overall pretty good. We whiffed on Elvis. No, no, you whiffed on Elvis. I called that one as a hit. You did not call that one as a hit. I call it as a solid hit. Go back and listen to the recording. Now, I was dead wrong on Top Gun Maverick. I will absolutely admit that. Right. You said your kids did not care about Top Gun Maverick, so it was not going to do well. And I was one of eight people that didn't like it in Vegas. So what the hell do I know? (laughs) All right. So you know the rules here. Yes. We go through the titles. You and I discuss and we assign a one through 10 confidence score on how confident we are that this movie will meet or exceed expectations. So we know movies are going to be hits just by the titles, but it's whether they meet or exceed expectations. And we got to start with this weekend. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is tracking to open in the 250 million global range, which is down significantly from Volume 2, which was released in 2017, I believe. But the reviews are decent, 78% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, What do you think on this one? Uh, As far as the confidence scale that will perform as hoped, uh, a 7. It is a good film. 
It is one of the better Marvel movies of the last several years. However, it is a very melancholy, somber, and often dark and violent picture that doesn't exactly scream, take your kids to see it 20 times over the summer. Hmm. Again, that's not, you know, it's a, it's a frustrating situation where the things that make it a good movie make it a harder commercial sell. Um, it feels very melancholy, like it's the eulogy for the notion of the MCU as a pop culture of dominating force of the pop culture zeitgeist. Uh, it certainly feels like a farewell. It, it feels more like a finale than Endgame did, frankly. Right. That's not great considering how much has been written about Marvel's you know, perceived or actual struggles over the last year or so. Yes, and they may be, relatively speaking, in trouble. Now, we were always going to have a situation after Endgame where the MCU became more of a fan-driven property, where it's, you know, the the, the quote-unquote fans show up, and then the general audiences do to a lesser extent. That's not always a problem. You know, you could say that about the Hunger Games, the Twilight Saga, the later Harry Potter films. As long as that fan ceiling is high enough, who cares who shows up? But what you have there is a circumstance where, for example, you know, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 can do $830 million just on the fans, but the rest of the world flocks to Skyfall and Lincoln and The Hobbit Part 1 of 3. So that's actually a good thing for the box office overall. If there's more room for other stuff to grow, Marvel dips a little bit, but everything else comes up to keep it up. Now, the problem is the next several Marvel movies are far more predicated on, hey, it's a Marvel movie. You love this brand. You love this franchise. And if it's less popular overall as a brand, then the notion of another Blade movie or another Fantastic Four movie or, yes, another X-Men movie is going be a lot less of a big deal just by virtue of oh it's part of the mcu now or the marvels this fall i mean that the footage at, at cinemacon did not look great and i was like wow this is a sequel to captain marvel that grossed a billion dollars and if i was betting futures on that i would take the under because i i don't think it's going to get anywhere near there well, no. And, you know, when you take China off the table, which I think you have to for the immediate future, you know, I think they have to start looking at, okay, if we get to 750, 850, that's great. So my, you know, when I'm looking at a film like Guardians, which to be fair, did eight, the second one did 869 in 2017 with 115 from China. And when Marvel was at its peak in terms of popularity, then I think they have to be hoping for 700 this time out. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, we'll get to the China question because it's, you know, it's a huge factor this summer. More movies are getting releases in China now, but they're not doing any business. So we'll talk about that when we get to the fast movies because that's where <laughs> we're really going to see it. Um, so what's your confidence scale number here? You gave it a seven? Yes. I'm going to give it a six. So let's go directly to May 19th, Fast X. The last movie in the series did... 726 million in 2021. Obviously, COVID was still a concern there. It did 76% of its business overseas. Fast Eight did 1.2 billion in 2017, but almost 400 million of that was from China. Uh, they, what are they going to do this time? Because China, if it's not a big factor like it was in the previous movies, they're not looking at some good comps here. The film has cost a reported three hundred and forty million, and some do you of that believe is that? I, I I don't know if I believe that. I think it's over three hundred, but I don't know if I believe that high. 
Let me just say, I understand some of that's going to be COVID overcharges and some of that's going to be just star salaries. And as I always say, when we're talking about, oh no, Skyfall co- or uh, Spectre costs 250 and No Time to Die costs 300 or whatever, like, there's no law saying the next fast movie has to cost that much. You know, choices can be made to bring that down closer to 2 250 Well, we're entering this era of the movies that are coming out that were forced into production during COVID, and the costs are 10, 20, even 30% higher just due to all of those protocols and the shutdowns. I mean, it's going to be hilarious what Paramount admits Mission Impossible costs because that movie was plagued by shutdowns. Yes, and the good news is if it does cost $8 trillion, most of that will be on the screen. Right. Yeah, so Fast X, what do you think? The last one did 726, and I would argue only about 15% less than it would have done under normal circumstances. Huh. Uh, China did not like it. You know, the last one did 215 million in China. I think they're looking at 100 to 150 this time in China. So does this movie get to a billion? No, not not a chance. No, interesting. You think no way? Because Again, I mean, it's also... The last several films, basically since Furious 7, which was very good, people have liked them, but no one's you know, nobody says F9 is their favorite of the franchise. Nobody says Hobbs and Shaw is their favorite of the franchise. Nobody says Fate of the Furious is their favorite of the franchise. They're in a problem. The franchise has had two reasonable series finales, Fast X, or excuse, yes, Fast X, Fast 5 and Furious 7. And in both circumstances, the film so grace, insanely overperformed that they had to keep going. Yeah, well, they're doing more on this one. They've already said they're doing Fast 11, but... Yes, but that's allegedly the finale. Confidence scale? Uh, five. Whoa, five? I'm going to go eight. I will say the second trailer looks a lot better than the first, but this has nothing new to offer other than more of how, the same. How dare you? Vin, Vin Diesel drives down the side of the Hoover Dam. What else do you want? Is that that different than when he's, you know drive skydiving out of an exploding car or <laughs> and they've got like 10 stars in this they got brie larson they got charlize they got John added Cena. value elements absolutely but this is once again the second installment without dwayne johnson or paul walker all right well i'm gonna say eight i think this movie is gonna do a lot better in the u.s than the previous one did just because of covid I think the release date is advantageous. It's going to have Memorial Weekend as the kind of more male, more adult-oriented movie. Uh, I think it's it's an eight. So let's move on to Memorial Weekend, Little Mermaid. Oh, this is one of the harder ones. This is I, honestly like I'm sweating my pick of the. This was my number one pick in my draft with Lucas. I'm sweating a little bit because what they showed at CinemaCon, it was a paint-by-the-numbers remake of the original movie sequence with Melissa McCarthy as the witch. And, like, I don't know if that's going to resonate. Like, I think it will. It'll do a billion. But I don't know if it's going to get to a billion six like The Lion King did. Well, no, that that was insane. It looks like it was shot in a toilet bowl. Oh, stop. And it's I say better that, than that. that is a, you know, that's a Rob Marshall <laughs> problem because Stranger Tides did too. Okay. But it, it, it has it got the music. It's got, you know, the stars. It's got Lin-Manuel Miranda doing music. The Aladdin movie with Will Smith did a billion dollars. Which was bright and colorful and had Will Smith, who is a butts and seats draw as an added value element. You know, in that, especially in that circumstance, he was playing the genie as a you know, loose sequel to Hitch. 
Um, he was incredibly charming in that Very picture. loose. Okay, but this is a this is a marquee Disney property. Yes. There are now multiple generations of people and girls and women that love this property. I still think it's going to do a billion. I would say, I mean, if that's your crux for success, mm-hmm. then I would give it a six. That being said, you know, it could easily do seven to seven to eight fifty, and that would be fine. Uh, I'm sweating a little bit. This is tough. And Lucas's number one was Super Mario, which is just killing it. You know, just the underwater stuff. It looks so ugly. I don't know about that. It looks. I mean, it's not Avatar. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, Avatar looks gorgeous. Aquaman too. This has already looked gorgeous. All due respect, there's no excuse. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eight on this one. The the expectations I think are Aladdin, maybe a little bit more than Aladdin. I don't maybe a seven. I'll give it a, between a seven and an eight, seven point five. All right, but let's move to June second with Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. The first one did three hundred and eighty four million worldwide. I think everybody we can agree on it's going to do more than that just because the first one was so well received there has not been any spider-man related content since december of 2021 with uh uh the last tom holland movie and you know this has been a long time waiting it was delayed a year what about morbius did we forget about morbius Oh, yeah. How I, soon they forget. I don't acknowledge the Sony Marvel <laughs> knockoff villain universe. But uh, but this is going to be bigger than 400 million, right? Oh, yeah. This is going to be what I like to call a breakout sequel. That is when a film opens well and does well. It's not a blowout smash, but it does very well. And it legs out because it's really good and really popular. And everybody tells their friends to see it. And then it gains another audience on video and DVD and streaming and cable, whatever, however kids watch their movies these days. Mm-hmm. And two, three, four years, you know, you ideally two to three years later, but whatever. You know, two, three years later, the second the second film comes out and all of that earned goodwill com- combobulates and just it explodes on opening weekend. Examples, Scream, John Wick, Pitch Perfect, um, Austin Powers, The Dark Knight, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. And I would say Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Do I think it's going to play, you know, as big as as the Dark Knight? No, absolutely not. But even forty percent a forty percent jump domestic would be about two fifty, which yeah. feels about right. I imagine the reviews are going to be good, unless the market well, we is don't very know. deceptive. They did delay it for a year. The director at CinemaCon last week said they're still working on the movie, and it comes out in less than a month. So we don't know. Well, yeah, but everything about it looks good. Yeah. So we're assuming. You know, execution is not going to be a problem. Yeah, I think it'll blow past 500. I'm going to give this one a nine on the confidence scale. On the confidence scale, I give it a 10. Oh, you do? The only question is, does it do, you know, does it just, you know, pull $600 million or does it play like a live action superhero film? Right. Uh, That's a good question. All right. A week after that, June 9th is Transformers Rise of the Beasts, uh, a.k.a. Yes, they're gorillas now. (laughs) <laughs> Bumblebee did 467 million in 2018. That is shocking to me. 170 of that was from China. Okay, but that is still shocking to me. Yes. That a franchise that I thought had been left for dead did a prequel spin-off with Haley Steinfeld. It did 467. So, what does this one do? This is a straight sequel to Bumblebee, right? I think it ties Bumblebee with less in China, maybe a little more in North America and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing about the Transformers franchise. Yes, the IP is popular. 
But I think Hollywood, the punditry, whatever, have long underestimated the extent to which Michael Bay's Transformers movies were popular because of the specific elements of Michael Bay's Transformers movies. Right. The larger-than-life spectacle, the vulgar altruism, the visual <laughs> just... Excuse me, autism, whatever that. Yes, because I mean, it's very. Don't I mean, forget it's, the it's creepy a, shots of young women. That's what vulgar altruism, absolutely. Okay, all right, and again, especially in this weird, you know, PG sanded off blockbuster landscape, I'm almost nostalgic for the 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 inappropriate elements of those films, right. in a skewed way. Um, but those films had a personality entirely of their own. So, what's your number? Uh, in terms of confidence that it will do as well as Paramount is hoping it will do, yes, yes. still a five. Because I think the, again, I think the franchise was about the movie franchise itself more than just the IP and the abstract. I'm a little more bullish on that. I'll give it a seven. I think that the footage looks kind of fun, even though it's ridiculous. They're all animals now, but whatever. Um, I think that they're going to have a bigger number than Bumblebee. Here's why I might be wrong. And here's why you might be right. Because I forget. There are people that like Transformers Beast Wars specifically. Oh, that's the TV show from the 90s or whatever? And I, I, I never I lost track of that ages ago, but allegedly that was one of the best cartoons of the 90s. Okay. Um. So there will be people who otherwise would not be excited for a Transformers movie in the abstract that might be excited because it's a Beast Wars movie. All right. And, I, and those people, I feel sorry for, but uh, whatever. They may show up, so good for Hollywood. June 16th. The Flash. Speaking of feeling sorry. Yeah. What are the comps here? Because oh. this is a superhero movie, origin superhero movie. However, they are marketing it as a Batman movie, sort of a backdoor Batman movie. But it's also a multiverse movie. And then it's got this added element of the Ezra Miller scandal, which I actually don't think will be a big deal. And they are going to hide Ezra Miller. The, the average human being has no idea who they are. Yeah, no idea who Ezra Miller is, and Warners will just not include Ezra in the marketing, and then it'll be fine. And so what is the comp here? I think the comp is a middle-of-the-road Marvel movie. So like seven, eight hundred? So like, yeah, $700 million, give or take, if, if everything goes right. Now, we don't know to what extent the general audience, you know, those outside the bubble, or civilians, as I like to call them, give a crap about a Flash movie after all these years. Well, that's why they're marketing it as a Batman movie. We don't know to what extent everyone cares about, oh boy, Michael Keaton's back as Batman 31 years later. Now, you could say, oh, No Way Home, but that was, those were newer films. And you had the added, the huge added value element of all three Spider-Men interacting together, which is very different from this Flash that you barely know or care about interacting with this Batman from 30 years ago. It's just a different formula. It's a different can of worms. The movie's pretty good, though. I don't want to minimize it here. Like, it's a better-than-average superhero movie. I, now, the, I was underwhelmed. Well, David David Zaslav saying it's the best superhero movie of all time. That is ridiculous. We know why he's doing that. He's doing that because he knows he's got to sell this thing when the star is unavailable to sell this thing. And that's why James Gunn said that. Right. I'm not sure how they got Tom Cruise to say that, but I digress. <laughs> I don't want to know. Even All James right. Cameron pitched a Terminator sequel now and then. Right. So what's your confidence number? My confidence that it will get to around $700 million and be seen as, we dodged that bullet, let's say seven. Oh, I'm going to go eight or nine. I, I think that given the hoopla around this, that the opening will be pretty big. 
and the DC and Marvel fans will show up for this. And then I think it'll do, it'll have legs because there's nothing out the next weekend that directly competes. There's no hard feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence comedy, which we won't dive into, but we may get to at the end. Um, but I think this will have a pretty decent run. So I'm going to say that it, I'm going to give it a nine. Let's say. Uh, I will be very quick on no hard feelings. It's a big chance and you know it's basically the most high profile example of hollywood trying to release comedies this summer again which is very good um and yeah, if i don't want to minimize like it. bad teacher it will be a huge triumph in this current era and i will be thrilled but it will not be top 10 i mean we're talking about the biggest no. movies of the summer no. so let's go to june 30th. Also about elemental which opens concurrently with the flash oh i didn't have that on my list oh yeah i definitely should how do you think what's your confidence scale in elemental not confident because I think it looks good, but I also think that it looks like a generic Pixar movie. Oh, really? I thought it looked better than that. This is cruder than I intend to, but like, what if Jet Chat DTP wrote a stereotypical Pixar movie? Oh, stop. That's better than I'm that. I'm assuming the final product will be better than that. It's an immigrant family allegory. It's, it's, it, the visuals are great. I thought it looked very good, but. The, the question we have on the Pixar movies is whether they can compete exactly. in the current environment when most people are watching this stuff at home. Now, we saw, obviously, Super Mario Brothers did compete, but this is not a pre-branded, IP-driven franchise. This is an original Pixar movie, and it's a real test whether those can still perform. In terms of doing what used to be the normal for Pixar originals in the summer, which is about 210, 220 domestic and around 600 worldwide, that would be seen as a success. Nobody's expecting uh, Toy Story numbers here. I still feel not super confident it's going to pull that. Let's say a six. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go five or six on this one. I think it's going to worldwide less than 500. And, you know, I know my description was mean. I assume the film will be very good because most of them are. But again, it feels like a very generic Pixar movie. And I don't know to what extent that is still a pull by itself. And Disney has no one to blame but themselves. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's go to June 30th, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This one is a huge wild card in my opinion. Yes. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did 790 in 2008. I don't know if that's even a comp anymore because that was 15, 16 years ago, 15 years ago. So I think it is a comp because even if it does very, very well, you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have China. So you're just like, oh, it could underperform over here because China will give it an extra 100, 200 million. That's obviously probably not going to happen. So best case scenario, I think, and again, I don't, this is not Top Gun Maverick, all due respect. And my biggest problem with Indiana Jones is that what is it selling? Indiana Jones is back after all these years. And Indiana Jones is confronting his mortality in an interesting and thoughtful way. That was the pitch 15 years ago. With Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who you don't know. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, 
That was the pitch for King of the Crystal Skull 15 years ago. Indiana yeah. Jones is back, and he's confronting his mortality. So it's again, it's, it's you're trying to do pop culture amnesia. It's like, oh, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man's a romance, unlike Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah, bullshit. The Batman, he's a detective for the first time. Also bullshit, but everybody falls for it. That being, and also Spielberg's not involved. Lucas isn't involved. Yeah, although James Mangold has not made a bad movie. Oh, no, no. I'm sure the film will be good. The guy that made 310 Yuma, Ford v. Ferrari, and Logan makes damn good action pictures. I have very little doubt on the quality scale. Yeah. I I just think they are really stretching the bounds of credulity here with the action scenes. I mean, I'm sorry, but he's 80 years old. It, It just, it doesn't look right. No, there's something a little off about it. And this feels a little bit to me like 15 years ago, The Mummy, The Curse of the Dragon Emperor, whatever that movie was called. Nostalgia, though. Don't underestimate nostalgia. I I am factoring nostalgia, but I think, I mean, I'm not confident. I really am not. Nothing I've seen makes me think this is unique unto itself, even in an environment where every movie, every week has a movie on this scale. So you're giving it like a three, three, four? I'm giving it a five. Okay. And I could be wrong. I'm going to go five also. Let's move on. July, we've got July 12th, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. The previous Mission Impossible, Fallout, did $791 That was the best of the series. And obviously, Top Gun Maverick did $1.5 last summer. So what do you think the... Maverick bump is going to be on Mission Impossible. It's going to be substantial. I don't think it's going to pull Top Gun numbers for any number of reasons, one of which is there's a lot more competition this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Top Gun was obviously you know the movie that everyone wanted and needed, but it also opened in a relatively barren summer movie season. Right. And you know it's not unlike what Wonder Woman did in 2017, where Wonder Woman opened and like the blockbusters we got weren't very good for like a month and a half. You know, The Mummy, Transformers The Last Night, Cars 3, et cetera, et cetera. So it was the only game in town for a while. Mission Impossible will get a lot of the premium format theaters as well. I know that's a big factor also. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because so much box office comes from that. I don't know how long it's going to keep them is the question. And I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, well, no, it's going to keep them for about a week and change because then Oppenheimer. But anyway, right. um, I think in terms of it being a hit, again, 10. I think it's going to be a huge smash. Bigger than Fallout? Uh, yes, significantly so. A billion? Oh. I'm going to say yes on a billion. I think even though the CEO of Paramount Global said that it's too long, hopefully they'll cut it down a little. But, yeah, that's uh, the other thing is if it ends up closer to three hours than not. Yeah, and yeah, again, yeah. you know, three-hour movie can do fine if you can bring your kids. But if you can't, that's a different conversation. I think it'll do a billion. Sure, fuck it. Billion dollars. My comments is a nine. I mean, my confidence that it's going to be, you know, eight to nine is a 10, but a billion eight. So let's say, let's say nine. All right. So then we go to July 21st with the showdown of the summer, Oppenheimer versus Barbie. Now on Oppenheimer, Nolan's last movie, Tenet, did 365 million worldwide, late 2020. Obviously that was not the ideal time to release a big Chris Nolan movie. Dunkirk previously before that did 527 in 2017 interstellar did 777 million and inception did 870 and that had leo obviously that yes. so where do you think oppenheimer falls in the nolan box office meter dunkirk you think the comp is dunkirk yes i mean it's it's an action light 
uh, very light, given the footage we saw at CinemaCon, very light. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a people in rooms talking drama. But Nolan knows what he's doing in terms of delivering popcorn entertainment that is intense and in the moment engrossing. And I wasn't huge on Tenet, mostly because he did subtitles. But that film did about 75% of what it would have been expected to do outside of North America in non-COVID times, despite opening in the summer of 2020. So what is your confidence on Oppenheimer? Uh, that it will be a hit. I mean, an eight. I'm sure it will do well. Now, is that going to do interstellar inception numbers? No, absolutely not. But from what I gather, it cost around $100 million to make. Universal is going to be very careful in terms of how it markets it, so it doesn't end up in a situation where it grosses a lot but still doesn't break even. Really? They've been running ads since last summer. They To get the movie, they promised well, a lavish marketing campaign. Cash to a movie is not particularly expensive. All right, but... So I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a hit. I think it will last all through August and it will be yes. beaten by Barbie opening weekend, but I think it will play a lot longer. Let's go to Barbie. And it's worth remembering that Interstellar mm -hmm. came in second to Big Hero 6 in 2014. I'm going to say eight. I'll say eight as well. Um, what about Barbie? What are the comps for Barbie? Oh, the Brady Bunch movie in 1995. Stop. Really? Like hot, the Hot Wheels movie? Like what are, what are like other toy adaptations? I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, most movies of this nature do not succeed. You know, the Puss, Josie and the Pussycats movie, the, the, uh, the gem and the holograms film, et cetera, et cetera. Those are now, different. Those are, yes, they are first different. of all, this one is getting a big budget and a major studio backing and is being treated as an event film. So I am very confident that it will be a success. But again, I, I this is the one that I'm worried that online fandom does not translate into general audience interest. Interesting. Where you have Twitter going, Barbie is everything. It's oh my God, it's amazing. And general audiences are like, wait, can I take my kids to this? I'm not sure. I think they can take their kids to this. I mean, I obviously have not seen it. But they're not going to make a Barbie movie you can't take a kid to. Yeah, but th those are questions that you need to, you know, that, that Warner Brothers needs to get out in front of right now. So what's your confidence on it? Uh, confidence that will be a hit, seven. Will exceed expectations, and the expectations are pretty high right now. When you say expectations are high, I mean, I think 350 for this would be a home run. Interesting. I think it could get to five. Again, do, it, what what it and I don't know. I should have looked this up before this podcast, but I don't know what Barbie's IP reach overseas even is. It's big. Okay, it's global. That's fair. It's global. I mean, I am not a Barbie expert. We may have to ask Craig about this, but honestly, I don't know the the penetration of Barbie worldwide. But it's big. I'm going to go eight. Fair. Um, all right, then. Let, then we start getting into the questionable ones. July 28th, Haunted Mansion. The version that they did 20 years ago grossed $182 million. That had Eddie Murphy. Jungle Cruise did $220 million worldwide in 2021. Uh, what does this movie do? It doesn't look great to me. No, I think if it does Jungle Cruise numbers, which to be fair, Jungle Cruise opened amid COVID. They had the Disney Plus premiere access thing. But domestically, it performed about as well as most Dwayne Johnson pictures. And that was something that I think, I do think it got dinged overseas because of the circumstances. But I don't know, you know, I was looking at the, if it was the next Pirate of the Caribbean and it opened unmolested in 2020. It smells C-list Disney. Oh, you mean Haunted Mansion? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, if it does 2020, that, yeah. I, I, so my confidence level is probably a four. Yeah, I'll say three because I'm bitter. 
All right. And to wrap it up, the final showdown of the summer for real is August 4th, the Meg 2 versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Now, the first Meg, I was shocked to read this. The first Meg did 530 million worldwide in 2018. And the last reboot of the Ninja Turtles did almost 500 million in 2014. This one, this one is animated. I know Paramount likes it. They think it's going to be a hit. Seth Rogen's involved. But what do you think about these two? Well, I think Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, I'm going to assume it's budgeted at a level that if it comes anywhere near the disappointing $235 million gross of Out of the Shadows, which was the superior but mostly ignored Ninja Turtles sequel in 2016, that it will still qualify as a hit. Um, and I think Paramount just needs to say, we can still make good animated movies that aren't SpongeBob. Because it's been a really long time since they did that. I'm going to gloss over the fact that you, a grown man, has an opinion on the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that was released. I can be nostalgic, too, on occasion. But I think the Meg 2 is my pick for the sleeper success of the summer. I think that there will be an audience for this. People, if if it made that much money, and it probably did as well on home video. uh, I saw the trailer at CinemaCon. It looks ridiculous, but fun. I think this could be the big surprise of the summer. Yes, this was the only Hollywood Chinese co-production that was actually a big success on both coasts. It did about 155 in North America, about 155 in China for a 530. And this this one stars Wu Jing, who is basically one of the biggest movie stars in China. He starred in Wolf Warrior 2. He started in the Battle of Lake Changqing 1 and 2. He started the Wandering Earth 1 and 2. They made Wandering Earth 2 a prequel just to bring him back from the dead. That's how big of a deal he is. And he is the second coast. He is the co-star alongside Jason Statham in this picture. So not only am I confident that's going to do pre-COVID numbers for a Hollywood movie. So that's 150 million that the rest of the movies won't get this summer. It's entirely possible that it'll play like a Chinese movie in China, which could mean anywhere from 300 to 600 million dollars. Jason Statham also in Fast X. Big summer. Yeah. Bald for bald British guys. He does what Dwayne Johnson wants to do, but he's much quieter about it. Uh, my confidence scale for the for the Meg, I'd say nine, nine point five, as close as I will get to something that will exceed expectations for sure. In terms of confidence scale, I would give the Meg to the Trench a ten because I think it's going to be one of the biggest grossing movies of the summer globally, and right now it's not really on anybody's radar. Okay, so those are the big ones. There's some others: Land of Summer, Gran Turismo, Blue Beetle. I want you to pick what your biggest movie of the summer is going to be and what your bomb is going to be. I think Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning sneaks into the top. I'm still going to go with Little Mermaid. I'm a little nervous, but I just think the brand and the Disney machine is going to put that over the top and beat Tom Cruise. Uh, I just, maybe it's wishful thinking because it's my pick. Um, Okay, give me your bomb in the summer. You also, you cannot pick Hypnotic with Ben Affleck. Well, that's what can you name the studio that's releasing that? Yeah, it, it's a studio that went under, I believe. Exactly. And that's why it almost doesn't count. <laughs> if it was being released by like Paramount or Universal, it it's might have a been a Ben Affleck movie. I think Robert Rodriguez directed it. Yes. Yeah. And if it had anything of a marketing footprint, I'd be more optimistic. But anyway, but yes, that movie's going to make 10 bucks. Um, but in terms of the major releases, I think Fast X. Fast X will be a bomb? Well, in terms of making up its $340 million budget. Oh, how dare you? This is this has become blasphemy at this point. 
I'm going to give Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel listens to the town, by the way. Well, and he knows how much I love Triple uh, X, The Return of Xander Cage. All right. Well, take me back to the Xander zone. Take okay. Me back. Well, the great news about this is that you and I will reconvene at the end of the summer for some accountability journalism to make sure that we are accountable for our picks. I don't want consequences for my actions. <laughs> yes, you do. All right, Scott, thank you for coming on. Appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, are you excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 3? You know, I always thought because this came so far since the Avengers Endgame, I just like don't really understand what's going on, but I, I do like this franchise more than any other Marvel <laughs> franchise, so I'll see it, I guess. Yeah, it is more fun and a little bit more adult skewing. Like, I was pleasantly surprised by the first Guardians. I also saw the second one. It sounds lame, but, you know, the music's really good and it's probably the funniest of all the Marvel movies. And, you know, both those things are kind of in my wheelhouse. Right. Which is why I was surprised to see that the tracking for this installment is about 115, maybe 120 domestic, which is very much less than the 146 million that the second one did in 2017. So the expectations for part three are lower, which is very rare for a title in the MCU. Yeah, I mean, it's 30 minutes longer than the first one and the second one. Both of those are two hours. <laughs> that is discerning. That, that is the deciding factor for you. Well, um, and I'm sure they're also just factoring in Marvel fatigue and the fact that a lot of their most recent movies haven't exactly performed as, as they had hoped. I think so. I think there's a little Marvel fatigue. I think the fact that Super Mario Brothers was so big and it's still out there, maybe biting into it a little bit, certainly took the air out of the sales for a lot of these other movies. Uh, but I actually, my prediction today, I'm going to take the over on that. Uh, if it's 115, I'm going to take the over. I think it'll get to 130, 135. The Marvel brand still strong. There's all these articles out there. Has Marvel lost it? Has Marvel Is Marvel over? Until we start seeing a string of movies that underperform. I, I still think that a brand like Guardians of the Galaxy with Marvel is really strong and this thing is going to open. So we'll see. Ant-Man might leave a, a bad taste in people's mouth though. That you know, that movie didn't it opened okay thanks to the marketing, but fell off a cliff afterwards. So maybe people are just kind of turning on Marvel. This feels like the last vestige of Marvel, this movie. This this is kind of like this good the goodbye for for the casual fan. The the end game, end game. Part yes. five. I hope they play a really good 80s song at the end to say goodbye to all their fans. But I'm sure they will. If if, uh, if all the 80s songs weren't used in the Ben Affleck movie Air, they will find them for this movie. <laughs> Maybe Closing um, Time is the song to play. <laughs> As they all float away into outer space. All right. That's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Scott Mendelson. I want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you next week. <laughs>